If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz, Ben Ferguson with you. And Senator, we've got a lot to talk about, including the economy, uh, a major weird policy shift almost from the Biden administration dealing with Israel, and also some interesting news on the Biden crime family, plus a dust up with Ben and Jerry's ice cream that totally backfired on them. But first, Senator, let's talk about the economy right now. Uh, The White House was trying to get people to believe that things are actually going really well, but they've lost even NBC News on Meet the Press. Here's what they said about the new poll numbers. The American public is not feeling it. Just 34% of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the economy in a recent AP poll that was released at the end of June. And only 20% of voters believe the nation is on the right track though voters have not felt good about the direction of the country for over a decade. And Biden is trying to persuade voters that the economy is better than they think it is. Better than they think it is. Another way to put those poll numbers, Senator, would be 64% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. They're obviously trying to flip it and play the numbers game. This is terrible news, and yet the White House seems to not even care. Well, the White House is playing politics, and sadly they're doing a bad job of it. Uh, they are trying to convince the American people the economy's much better than you think it is. Things are not as crappy as they feel like they are to you. When you go to the grocery store and your bills are much, much higher, when you pay your bills each month and your electricity bill is much, much higher, your health care bill is much, much higher, when you go to the gas pump and you fill up your car or truck and the bill is much, much higher, don't worry about that. Things are really great. Why? Because we say they are. And boy, it, it, it's pretty amazing that even Chuck Todd it, it is not buying that. Um, the White House put out this whole barrage of public relation. They're trying to brand Bidenomics. I got to say, that's pretty dumb. They're going to regret branding Bidenomics because they're going to own Bidenomics. You know, Jimmy Carteromics was not a good thing. And Bidenomics is worse than Jimmy Carter Carteronomics. So here's one of the claims of the White House, quote, Bidenomics is rooted in the simple idea that we need to grow the economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. An economy where we build more in America, empower and invest American workers and promote competition to lower costs for working families. Now, set aside for the minute the language that is so focus-grouped and poll-tested. We build from the middle out and the bottom up. It reminds me of there's a great scene uh, in, in The Simpsons where, where Kodos and Kang, the, the space aliens, are discuss- discussing, we'll go forwards, not backwards, upwards, not downwards, and twirling, twirling into the future. That's the Biden White House talking point on the economy. Here's some actual facts, which... Don't expect this White House to include prices as, as measured by the Consumer Price Index are up to more, up more than 16 percent since Biden took office. The same time, Americans are racking up more credit card debt. Total credit card debt reached a record high of nearly one trillion dollars. In addition to that, the Biden White House is claiming, well, quote, 
The president's economic strategy has powered the strongest recovery of any major economy in the world. Among leading economies, the United States has the highest economic growth since the pandemic and currently has the lowest level of inflation. That's an interesting claim, unless you actually get mugged by reality. Yeah. Reality is Canada, South Korea, Japan, and other countries currently have a lower rate of inflation than the United States. So their claim is just objectively wrong. Uh, let's look at something else. Another claim, quote, under Bidenomics, our economy has recovered more quickly than most experts thought possible. Now, let me stop and say, as a matter of political messaging, that's exceptionally bad. That is like saying, we have sucked less. Yeah. That's their message. <laughs> Some experts thought we would suck more, and we were not quite that bad. That's their message. Now, let's, let's return to facts. Under Bidenomics, their term, inflation has proven persistent, despite experts like Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell and Secretary Janet Yellen claiming inflation would be transitory. Inflation has exceeded 2% for 27 straight months and is still double the Fed's target rate. And let's just take the past year, May 2022 to May 2023. Flour is up 17.1%. Bread is up 12.5%. Frozen vegetables are up 18.7%. Sugar is up 11.1%. Margarine, if you're actually trying to be healthy and not do the butter thing, 22.5%. Baby food formula... 10.1%. I got to tell you, you got a problem with the White House when you're telling the American people the pain you're feeling every month is not real. We're telling you politically things are hunky-dory and don't believe the agony of your checkbook and your credit card debt because, hey, our political spin is we're Democrats and everything's fine. You know, some of the shocking claims he's made, he also claimed recently that in 2022, the price of gas was down from five, over $5, quote, when I took office. It was actually $2.46 when he came into office, and it hit highs of more than $5 under his leadership. He also claimed again and again to have created millions and millions of new jobs when they were simply the recovered jobs that were lost to COVID uh, and, and the economy coming back. It's not like he created all of these jobs. Do you think this is going to work with the American people, though? No, I, I think the American people have an exceptionally strong BS detector. And, and this is obvious. This, this is like snicker. Uh, you know, this is the sort of thing that when it when a White House flack and goes and pitches this, people start snickering. I'll, I'll give you another example. Here's one of the claims from the Biden White House, quote, employers are offering better pay, better benefits and better schedules. Now, here's some facts. Wage gains are not keeping up with inflation. In other words, yes, wages have gone up. But inflation has gone up more, which means real wages have gone down. And in fact, here are the data. Real average weekly earnings have been negative for 26 straight months, 26 months in a row. In addition, the average number of weekly hours worked is falling, which shows that employers are dealing with economic headwinds by cutting hours rather than firing workers because of the tight labor, labor market. People know this. It, it is not effective. Look, when you have a kid who's fallen and hurt themselves on a playground, it is not effective parenting to say, your bleeding knee doesn't hurt. When people are hungry, it is not effective governance to say, you don't really need food. You're not that hungry. The Biden White House is trying to convince people the economy is doing great and never mind your lying eyes or never mind your dwindling bank account. We say it's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it, when you look at how they've done this, there's there's another aspect of this, too. And it worries me about the economy in a bigger perspective center. And that's this. This White House has lied, and they keep saying over and over again, they've cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion. 
we've had some of the biggest spending policies and increases in the history of this country, if not the biggest, depending on who scores it. But when you hear them say they cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion, you're in Congress. You know that's not true. It is an absolute lie. Um, it, it is based on revisionist numbers. It is based on saying, well, it could have been higher. So, so it's actually the same argument. We could have sucked more. That's not, in fact, persuasive. We're, we're looking at a national debt of roughly $32 trillion. This is the highest in the history of our nation. And Joe Biden is saying, never mind the numbers. Never mind the spending spree we've engaged in. We're fine. And it could have been worse. We've cut it because we could have spent even worse. I got to say, you, you know, going back, I, I sort of think of Joe Biden like your drunk teenager that goes out partying in the car, crashes, crashes into the fire hydrant, hydrant um, trenches your front lawn and says, well, look, it could have been worse. I could have driven like into the side of the house. That's basically Biden's argument is, yes, we've got the worst debt in history, thanks to Democrats spending like drunken sailors, but we could have done worse. There was a great headline that wraps this up, and it was from the the New York Post editorial board. It said, Biden's economic lies show he's either a deluded narcissist or a total fraud. They listed his top three as saying, lie number one, quote, it was already there when I got there, man. Inflation was actually at 1.4% when Biden took office. And now we've seen what's happened with inflation at all-time highs in my life. Then he said jobs were hemorrhaging, man, right? Well, that's not true. America lost close to 22 million jobs to the lockdown shock in early 2020. But by the end of that year, we'd recovered a bit more than half. Under Biden, that pace slowed massively. It wasn't until June of 2022 that the nation recovered the rest of those jobs. And he says, well, that's on the other guy. And then he said this. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. The nation... Uh, has millions of manufacturing jobs despite COVID's impact. And the sector boomed with deregulation during the Trump's years, and those jobs dried up after the regulations came back in. You put all three of those together, and I go back to this. It's the economy, stupid. How big of an issue do you think this is going to be on a scale of one to five? Where do you think this is going to rank when it comes to the presidential election when he's on stage with somebody? I think it's massive. I think it's front and center. It's how it impacts Americans across the country. You know, I have to say I'm listening to that headline you just read that Biden is either a deluded narcissist or an absolute fraud. And and this is where the, the college debater that I was, the, the, the sort of geeky 19-year-old pops in, and, and, and what immediately occurs to me is those are not mutually exclusive. He's perfectly capable of being both a deluded narcissist and an absolute fraud. And both, I think, accurately explain where we are. When he is lying to the American people on a daily basis, and his policies have produced abject failure, and and, and listen, this presidential election in 2024, what it should focus on is that an overwhelming majority of Americans recognize we're on the wrong track, that the economy is going wrong, that inflation is skyrocketing, that the lives of working Americans have gotten harder and harder. They also recognize that our safety has gotten worse. We've got chaos at our southern border, the worst illegal immigration in history. Last year, we had 100,000 people die of drug overdoses, the worst in history. We have murder rates rising, carjacking rates rising, rape rates rising, assault rates rising. And all of that pales in comparison to the utter chaos abroad. I, you have to go back a long, long time to find a foreign policy or national security mess worse than what Joe Biden has done in the last two and a half years. And so, look, the classic question in any presidential election is, are you better off now than you were four years ago? I, I got to tell you, the number of Americans who can say yes to that is abysmally small. Maybe if you're a Mexican drug cartel kingpin, then you answer yes. Actually, you answer yes emphatically. So El Chapo should vote for Joe Biden. Maybe if you're a big tech billionaire, Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, 
should vote for Joe Biden. But if you're a truck driver, if you're a steel worker, if you're a cop, if you're a firefighter, if you're a waiter, if you're a waitress, if you're a teacher, if you're someone who actually goes and works for a living, it is unambiguous that the Biden socialist agenda has been a train wreck. Yeah, great point. And I I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a huge issue uh, when you head into this election. Let me tell you real quick about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. Uh, Regardless of what Joe Biden says, the economy has uh, been struggling. And if you have looked at your retirement account, your 401k, your IRA, you know you've probably taken a hit. Statistics are showing that a lot of people are down 20% or more over the last year. And that is where if you want to protect your hard-earned dollars, if you're close to retirement, in retirement, you need to make sure that you are protecting from losses because there is no time to make up those losses. That is where Augusta Precious Metals come in. They actually do it differently. Not only will they send you the free investor's guide on gold, but they will also do a one-on-one web conference with you to talk about your retirement goals, objectives, and what you are doing right now. Their goal is to make sure that you can protect your dollars and you can use gold as a part of your portfolio. Call them right now. Not only will they send you the free guide on gold, but they will also sit down and do that one-on-one web conference. 877, the number four, gold IRA. 877, the number four, gold IRA. Uh, Make sure you check them out online as well at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's Augusta preciousmetals.com. Senator, you know, it's not just the economy where Biden is struggling right now. It's also on the issue uh, of foreign policy and Israel. Uh, President Joe Biden sat down with Fareed Zakaria at CNN. And in this conversation that he had with, with, with Fareed, he basically threw Benjamin Netanyahu and Israel under the bus a close ally of the United States of America. I want to play this for people that maybe didn't get to hear this. And then I want you to break it down for everybody because this is a shocking, I think, move away from Israel. And it's a dangerous one, especially when we need this ally in the Middle East. Late last month, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu revealed that he had been invited to visit China. That invitation underscores the absence of a similar one from the United States. In March, after sharp, rare criticism of Netanyahu for his proposed judicial overhaul, the U.S. President Joe Biden said that the Prime Minister would not receive a White House invitation in the near term. Months later, he has shown no sign of relenting. So where do matters between the two leaders and their countries stand? I am back with Joe Biden. Mr. President, what will it take for Bibi Netanyahu to get an invitation to the White House? Well, first of all, uh, the uh, Israeli president is going to be coming. We have other uh, contacts. I've been, as you, I think it's fair to say, uh, uh, an unyielding Actually, supporter of Israel right there. for over. Stop right there. So, and, and we're going to keep playing that. But I want you to understand how utterly absurd that answer is. So, Zakaria asks Joe Biden, "What will it take?" for Benjamin Netanyahu, the elected prime minister of Israel, to be invited to the White House. And his response, he says, well, first of all, we have the president coming. Now, it's important to understand the governance model in Israel. The president is not the senior elected executive in Israel. Who is the president? The president is a guy named Isaac Herzog. He goes by Bougie Herzog. Who is he? Well, he was, among other things, the head of the Labor Party. The Labor Party would be the out-of-power party, the liberal party in Israel. He was also the leader of the opposition. So here's what Biden says. What is it going to take to invite Netanyahu to the White House? Well, we've invited the leader of the opposition. He's now the president, which is mostly a ceremonial role. That is the equivalent Let's imagine you're talking to the leader of a foreign nation, the leader of France, the leader of the United Kingdom, the leader of Canada. And let's assume that they were doing what the Biden White House is doing, which is ostentatiously going out of their way to snub 
the elected leader of Israel, to say, we don't want you, you are not welcome in the Biden White House, which is what they're doing. And imagine their response was, so, so imagine you, you, you were asking uh, the, the, the head of another country, why won't you invite Joe Biden? And the response was, well, we invited Mitch McConnell. That's what Joe Biden just said. Well, we invited the guy from the out of power party. So isn't that enough? No, it's not. And and I want you to play the rest of this. But 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 I want you to understand that opening comment is laugh out loud absurd. We invited the guy from the opposite party. So that should be sufficient. Why? Because I, a left wing Democrat, hate the leader that the people of Israel elected. Keep playing what Biden has to say. Well, first of all, uh, the uh, Israeli president is going to be coming. We have other uh, contacts. I've been, as I think it's fair to say, uh, uh, an unyielding supporter of Israel for over, I've only been around a couple of years, but for as long as I've been around. And um, uh, Bibi, I think, is trying to work through how we can work through his existing problems in terms of his coalition. He has, I'm one of those who believes that Israel's ultimate security rests in a two-state solution. I think it's a mistake to think that uh, as some members of his cabinet, and this is one of the most extreme members of cabinets that that I've seen. I go all the way back to Golda Meir and all, you know, uh, and uh, not can, can we just stop there, Senator, and, and, and get your reaction to Joe Biden actively criticizing and referring to the cabinet as the most extreme members he's ever seen in Israel? Well, the, it's important to understand Joe Biden in this administration has been the most relentless, relentlessly anti-Israel administration our federal government has ever had. We have seen in the Biden White House a granular, systematic, comprehensive, and exhaustive attempt to undermine our friend and ally, the state of Israel. It is shameful. It goes back to the opening weeks of the Biden administration, where the State Department put out written guidance banning anyone at the State Department from using the words Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords were historic peace agreements that were entered between Israel and and multiple Arab allies. The Trump administration was critical in brokering the Abraham Accords. They were groundbreaking. And yet the Biden administration hated them and put in writing that the State Department must refer to them as normalization agreements. Ultimately, when they got called out for it, when this written guidance was made public, and I will admit I played a critical role in making it public, it was further discovered that that was done at the direction of the Biden White House. Not only that, the Biden Department of Justice and the FBI is actively investigating and targeting the Israeli military for the death of a Palestinian who was in the middle of an active firefight. It is absurd. There is no other ally that we would unleash the Department of Justice and FBI to go after their military. But the Biden administration despises Benjamin Netanyahu. You know, I got to say, he just says Netanyahu is the most extreme leader that we've ever had in 50 years. You know what's amazing? Benjamin Netanyahu is the longest serving prime minister in the history of Israel. We just finished the single worst year for violence in the Middle East in history. And it's not Benjamin Netanyahu that's new. It's Joe Biden. It's his policies of appeasement. He has been funneling cash into Hamas, into Hezbollah, into the terrorists. And he draws a false equivalency. He says the terrorists who strap on suicide vests and go in to shopping malls or children's schools and murder women and children and infants, they're just exactly the same as the Israeli soldiers who are trying to protect those women and children and infants. It is shameful. It is disgraceful. And I got to say, listen, there are a lot of Democrats, and I'm talking Democrat voters. I'm not talking 
politicians in Washington. I'm talking people in, in the rest of America. There are a lot of Democrats who believe rightfully that America should be a strong and resolute ally with Israel. You cannot look at the Biden administration's record and conclude anything other than this White House is adamantly opposed to standing with Israel. And and it, it most recently was manifested in a new policy that was announced from the Department of State that targets Israeli Jews who live in the Golan Heights and who live in Judea and Samaria, and, and in fact, who live in parts of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, uh, to ban bilateral scientific and technological cooperation. And the State Department distributed to all the relevant U.S. government agencies. And it is effectively Joe Biden implementing a policy of BDS, boycott, divest and sanction it is targeting israel it is explicitly targeted at israeli jews and 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 listen i authored a bipartisan resolution along with tim kane a democrat from virginia it passed the senate 100 to nothing the cruz kane resolution that number one condemns anti-semitism but number two makes explicit that BDS is anti-Semitic. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, the Biden administration's policy embracing BDS is anti-Semitic. So when Joe Biden says, well, no one stood stronger with Israel than he has, well, holy cow, with friends like that, who the heck needs enemies? Yeah, and Joe Biden wasn't finished there. He also went on to say this. It was extreme, but I go back to that era. I think that... um the fact that the Palestinian Authority has lost its credibility, not necessarily because of what Israel's done, just because it's, it's just lost its credibility, number one. And number two, created a vacuum for extremism in the, among the Palestinians. The PLA, they are, there's some very extreme elements. So it's not all Israel now in the West Bank, all Israel's problem, but they are part of the problem. And particularly those individuals in the cabinet who say they have no right to be, we can settle anywhere we want, they have no right to be here, et cetera. And uh, I, I think uh, we, uh, we're talking with them regularly, trying to tamp down what's going on, and hopefully Bibi will continue to move toward moderation and change in the, the court. You've had... I mean, Senator, you, you listen to his lack of critique, really, of the, of the Palestinian Authority, uh, a group that clearly works with Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, and there, there are so many innocent people in Israel that have been affected by the terrorism coming uh, from this organization that refuses to get rid of their extremism. And you, you hear the president. He was trying to, like, be timid and careful not to over-criticize them. Well... It's, it's even worse than that. This administration has been granular in how they've worked to undermine Israel. So, for example, the USAID, the U- U.S. Agency for International Development, has poured hundreds of millions of dollars into Palestinian-controlled areas. Um, if you look at, in one case, a $5 million award to the Gaza Strip, was disclosed on the public databases with the wrong amount, the wrong location, and the recipient was anonymized. And and the reason why is because they were trying to cover up that they were giving to effectively Hamas proxies. Wow. And I will tell you, my office is the one that exposed that and caused USAID to acknowledge that they publicly disclosed the wrong amount, the wrong location, and hid the recipient. Because it's contrary to law. By the way, this administration is also funding millions of dollars to the Palestinian Authority while they continue what are called pay-to-slay policies. What are pay-to-slay policies? If you're a Palestinian terrorist and you strap on a suicide vest and you murder a bunch of children, the Palestinian Authority will send a check every year for the rest of your life to your widow and your children. They will pay you to murder innocent children. Now... We passed legislation through Congress, which I was an 
avid supporter of, to say we are not going to pay government entities that pay terrorists and reward terrorism. And yet the Biden administration is actively circumventing it. But Ben, it's actually, it is so minute. I'm going to give you a small example that is revealing. The Bureau of Near Eastern Affairs in the State Department quietly changed the name of the bureau that handles Israel from, it used to be, the Israel and Palestinian Affairs Office. Now it is the Israeli and Palestinian Affairs Office. Now, why did they do that? They did that because they don't want to acknowledge, number one, that Israel exists as a Jewish state. But number two, they are obsessed with putting the Israelis and Palestinians on parity. And acknowledging that Israel is a sovereign state is inconsistent. I'll give you another example, uh, which is that the Office of Palestinian Affairs gave a Bronze Age Judean relic to the Palestinian Authority as, quote, an example of Palestinian cultural patrimony. What utter and complete nonsense. It had nothing to do with that. But what the Biden administration was engaged in is a relentless campaign to try to undermine the sovereignty of Israel. And, and, and I got to say, listen, we, we have some Democrats who listen to this podcast. I don't think we have a ton, but we have some. If you're a Democrat who actually thinks America should stand with Israel. What do you think of the fact that Joe Biden publicly snubs the elected prime minister of Israel? By the way, Lula, the socialist anti-American leftist in Brazil, Biden happily welcomed in with open arms and bear hugged him. If you hate America, the Biden White House loves you. But if you're the elected leader of Israel, you are not welcome in the Biden White House. And I got to say, listen, I've been blessed in the time I've been in the Senate. I've gotten to know Netanyahu quite well. Of all of the world leaders I've met, and at this point I've, I've been incredibly fortunate, I've met a lot of world leaders. I don't think there is another who has impressed me more with the seriousness of his mission, with the gravity Benjamin Netanyahu understands that he has a responsibility to protect the safety of the citizens of Israel from forces that surround Israel that would drive them into the sea. And I have told him this before, but I believe it emphatically. I think Netanyahu has a Churchillian, steely-eyed gaze on the threats facing Israel and America, and in particular the threat of a nuclear Iran, and Joe Biden and the cronies around him are actively funneling billions of dollars into Iran to help them develop nuclear weapons that could well be used to murder millions of Israelis and millions of Americans. It is, to say it as backwards would be a massive understatement. Yeah, no doubt about it. And this is the foreign policy that you get right now with this administration. And it's certainly putting us and the Middle East uh, at risk of significant instability, but also just saying to our allies yet again, hey, we don't know what we'll do for you. Hey, we'll help in Ukraine, but maybe not Israel uh, when you're surrounded by people that chant death to Israel and chant death to America. I want to talk to you about your cell phone for a moment. If you have a cell phone and your cell phone is with Big Mobile, Uh, You've got another option you may not even know about. That's Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider that offers you dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area, period, without the woke propaganda that's being pushed by the leftists working hard to destroy this this country. Now, the Hardcore on the left at these companies, they are dumping millions of dollars into leftist causes, including Planned Parenthood. If you don't want your money to go there, switch to Patriot Mobile. Not only when you pay your bill do you actually support free speech and religious freedom, you'll also be protecting and supporting the sanctity of life. The Second Amendment and our military veterans and first responders. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team. 
that makes switching easy. You can keep your same cell phone number and your same cell phone or upgrade to a new one. Check out Patriot Mobile because when you pay that bill every month, a portion of your bill at no extra charge to you goes back to support the causes that I just mentioned. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. That's PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. Or you can go and call them 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception. And at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today. To donate, just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Senator, I also want to talk about some news quickly that deals with Hunter Biden. Senator, I also want to talk about some news quickly that deals with Hunter Biden uh, and, and the president. Chris Christie actually came out and had something very interesting to say about the investigation that took place into Hunter Biden on Fox News Sunday. This on the heels that James Comer has also come out and said that there's going to be some announcements on, quote, disturbing findings in the Hunter, Hunter Biden case this coming week. Here's Chris Christie in his own words. Well, listen, U.S. Attorney Weiss has to explain himself, and he has to explain himself in public. You know, the fact is that this investigation to Hunter Biden in Delaware is either a lie or it's incompetent. Um, there's no way that it should take five years to get to a, a, a two-count misdemeanor tax plea and then to dismiss the gun charges. You know, those gun charges carry up to a 10-year mm-hmm. sentence to lie on the application. Democrats are complying, crying, crying and complaining all the time about wanting more gun laws, yet they won't even enforce the gun laws that exist. And Hunter Biden should have been charged under those gun laws. Add to that that you have a two-cap misdemeanor uh, tax plea that should not have taken all the time that it did. So either David Weiss is incompetent in taking five years to do that, or he's not telling the truth, and Merrick Garland's not telling the truth. You, you hear him say that. I, I, I actually couldn't agree with him more. And I also think this tells us about what's going to probably be coming out this week that James Comer has kind of been telegraphing on. Well, listen, we are going to see a hearing in the House of Representatives with David Weiss testifying, with the IRS whistleblowers testifying, and with Merrick Garland testifying. I'm predicting right now we're going to see all of them. They may not be at the same hearing. I hope they are. They ought to all be at the same table. But we will see them testifying under oath before the House. We won't see them in the Senate because Senate Democrats don't care. They do not care if, if the Attorney General is committing multiple felonies. They do not care if the Department of Justice is covering up multiple felonies by the President. But 
Chris Christie on this point is exactly right. And, and let me point out, Christie was the United States attorney for New Jersey for nearly seven years. So he's done the job of being a U.S. attorney. And in this instance, number one, the fact that this took five years is utterly absurd. I don't know why what the heck Weiss was doing for five years other than delaying and stonewalling and protecting Joe Biden in the process. Hoping the statute of limitations would run out on some of the most serious charges as well. Well, and it did. The, many of the most serious charges, he allowed the statute of limitations to expire. And if what the IRS whistleblowers alleged is true, and I'm going to caveat, that's an important if. They might not be telling the truth, but if they're telling the truth, Merrick Garland is guilty, I believe, of lying under oath in front of Congress and obstruction of justice, both of which are serious felonies. And, and, and so the Department of Justice wants to keep sweeping this aside, wants to say, oh, this is a pending investigation. We're not going to answer it. Well, no, we're not asking about the pending investigation. We're asking about your criminality, your wrongdoing, your lying to Congress, your obstruction of justice, your tipping off a witness and a target of an investigation. You're actively impeding any investigation into the now growing and, and rapidly becoming overwhelming evidence of official corruption by Joe Biden being on the receiving end of millions of dollars from foreign nations, including China and including Ukraine. We're saying, and there was a headline by the Associated Press, it said top Republicans are gearing up to investigate the Hunter Biden case and saying basically what they've realized now is that these lead th uh, three key house committees are basically joining forces to probe the Justice Department's handling of these charges against Hunter Biden after making sweeping claims about misconduct at that agency, you've got leaders of the House Judiciary, Oversight and Accountability, and Ways and Means Committee opening a joint investigation of the federal case into President Joe Biden's youngest son. Days after it was announced last month that he's going to plead guilty to the misdemeanor tax offenses as part of the agreement. Now, we also know that that judge, Senator, has to know at this point that these whistleblowers have come forward. Do you expect that to change this plea deal at all? I don't know, but it should. Uh, I think the judge should open up the plea deal. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, if you go back to the first Trump impeachment, listen, this podcast launched on the first night of the first Trump impeachment, where we, I went from the Senate floor at about midnight, drove to the studio and recorded it that evening and put it out real time. I can tell you in the middle of that impeachment, which concerned Ukraine, concerned Burisma, concerned an allegation that Trump had withheld aid in order to try to pressure Ukraine into invest investigating corruption by Joe Biden concerning Burisma. I got to tell you, I emphatically urged the Trump legal team at the time to prosecute this case then, to use the impeachment trial to lay out the evidence of corruption by Joe Biden and Hunter Biden receiving millions of dollars in exchange for official conduct. Now, to do that, they would have had to been willing to call witnesses. And you'll recall there was a whole kerfuffle because the Democrats wanted to call John Bolton as a witness. Yeah. And what I urged the Trump legal team, I said, look, this is your best opportunity to go and prosecute the case that Joe Biden is guilty of what it is the Democrats are alleging Trump did. Unfortunately, the Trump legal team made the decision they didn't want to do that. And so they didn't want witnesses. They didn't want to bring in. I was making the case to them, bring Hunter Biden in. Let's hear about what did you do to earn $83,000 a month that Burisma paid you? That would have been, you want to talk about riveting testimony on the floor of the Senate. And had the Trump legal team decided they wanted to do that, I think we could have put this evidence before the American people several years ago, and it might well have changed the course of history of what transpired. But at the end of the day, the Trump legal team decided they, they had a better approach than the one I was suggesting, and we're still sitting here every day with more and more facts coming out, they're incredibly damning about 
the corruption of the entire Biden family. Yeah, great point. And it's going to be some sort of significant info that's going to be shared this week. We're being told from James Comer. We'll obviously be covering that. Let me tell you real quick about chalk. If you're a guy and you feel like you're getting a little bit older, you feel like weakness and complacency have set in or are setting it. You just don't feel like yourself. You don't feel like you have the energy uh, to stay up at night. You don't feel like you have the energy to work out anymore. You just feel lethargic. You're not alone. Testosterone levels have actually dropped off a cliff historically. And if you don't want to give into that, you want to get your strength and vitality back, you want to get rid of the weakness and complacency, check out Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. The patriots of Chalk are helping real American men just like you maximize your masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up 20% over 90 days. Now, I've been taking Chalk, the male vitality stack now for several months, and I can tell you it works. It's manufactured right here in U.S. of A. Chalk's natural herbal supplements are clinically proven to have game-changing effects on your energy, your focus, your mood. Maximize your masculinity and boost your testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days by going to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Now, use the promo code BEN. You'll get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. C-H-O-Q.com, promo code BEN for 35% off. Lastly, Senator, there was a story this week that was actually just hysterical to me, and it dealt with Ben and Jerry's. The founders of Ben and Jerry's are angry uh, about land that they say was stolen. Uh, They did this big interview, and they're talking about July 4th and how terrible somehow July 4th is, and we should give back land. And then the joke turns on them because apparently where Ben and Jerry's headquarters is, that land, if they're going to live by their new standards, should be given back immediately to the indigenous people. You, you cannot make this up. Well, that's right. On the 4th of July, Ben & Jerry's, which is a leftist company run by hippie billionaires, tweeted out the following. This 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Learn more and take action now with a link. And then they have this this graphic that says the United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. This 4th of July, let's commit to returning it. Now, I'll point out that when they faced criticism for it, um, here is, in fact, what what Ben and Jerry's uh, put put out. Quote, the faces on Mount Rushmore are the faces of men who actively work to destroy the indigenous cultures and ways of life, to deny indigenous people their basic rights. Those are the faces on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Those are the founding fathers of America. So Ben and Jerry's has decided, George Washington, we hate him. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, won the Civil War, kept the country together. Nope, we hate him too. We're Ben and Jerry's. We're ridiculous, hypocritical liberals. And then, as you noted, the very amusing development, which is that a Native American tribe in Vermont wants its land back. And, you know, Ben and Jerry said, okay, we've got to return uh, the Native American land. Well, the Nohegan Band of the Kosuk Abenaki Nation, the chief, Don Stevens, said he's very interested in getting the land that Ben and Jerry's headquarters is on because it originally belonged to his tribe. And then the chief went on to say, quote, the tribe, quote, was always interested in reclaiming the stewardship of our lands. And he went on to say, if and when we are approached, many conversations and discussions will need to take place to determine the best path forward for all involved. He went on to say, Ben and Jerry's headquarters, quote, sits on a vast swath of U.S. territory that was under the auspices of the Abenaki people before colonization. So I'm going to say, Ben and Jerry, you have convinced me. Give your damn headquarters back to the Abenaki people, and I'll be there for it. I'm going to celebrate. Hand over the factory, and you know what? The Abenaki people can make ice cream. You've got a factory there. You stole the land from them, you evil bastards. 
And by the way, this is not me calling you that. This is you calling you that. I mean, good God, if George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are bad people because of the Native American theft, your bloody headquarters is apparently on Indian land. I got to say, I love this story because it shows there's nothing as empty, as meaningless, as fake as left-wing virtue signaling, because the chances that Ben and Jerry's will do so much as give a friggin' pint of Cherry Garcia ice cream to the Abenaki people are minuscule, because they sure do enjoy rolling in their millions of dollars while pretending to be incredibly virtuous. Yeah, it was a great story that popped after they made their comments here. You absolutely got to love it when that happens. Don't forget, download Verdict uh, three times a week. Hit that subscribe, auto-download, and or follow button right now. If you've not hit that follow button uh, on Apple or subscribe or auto-download, do it right now wherever you get your podcasts, and you won't miss a single episode. And Senator and I will see you back here in a couple of days. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.